Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It is time for the huddle. 10.07 as we get you ready for the Vikings and the Bears at noon today. NFL has already kicked off. Packers and the Giants are playing right now in London. They're just about to start the second half. Dave Schwartz here with you. Pete Najarian is here as well. Good morning, Pete. Good morning, Dave. How are you, man? I, I'm well. Uh, it is sunny here. It is beautiful, but it is cold, and it definitely feels like football weather. Where are you today? <laughs> well, today and for the latter part of all week, uh, I've been down here into Florida, and uh, mm-hmm. we've got a house that we're building, and it's been a struggle, <laughs> but now it's become even a bigger struggle just because of all of what Ian has left in its path, and it's, uh, it's difficult. It's a, it's a trying time, and we were literally right in the eye of it all, um, mm-hmm. but you know, it's you just got to deal with that. That's part of part of Florida. It's like the storms in Minnesota. You just have to figure out the best way to clean up afterwards. And so that's kind of what we're doing. And it's, um, you know, it is amazing, though, the devastation of, of what, what I've seen in a lot of places, uh, even much more south from us right now, where it's just uh, you're seeing whole restaurants, houses, places that are on the water that are gone. It's unbelievable. It really is. And I'll tell you that Fort Myers area of Florida definitely just got absolutely uh, devastated. But, um, but so we're, we, we're very fortunate and lucky, but that doesn't mean we don't have stuff to clean up because it'll, it's going to take weeks and months probably to get it all back to normal. A lot of Twins fans know that area well. Obviously, the uh, Minnesota Twins doing their spring training down there uh, in Fort Myers. So uh, the mm-hmm. Twins season is done. We're talking Vikings, Bears, Gophers. Uh, had a bye week this week. We were on a bye week last week, but now we're back. The Vikings don't get a bye week after London, which is interesting, and we can talk about that uh, in a little bit. But let, let's break down, uh, Pete, this Vikings-Bears game at noon today. I hate calling things must-win because it's never a must-win at, uh, at this point in the season. But uh, considering how difficult, uh, how much difficulty the Vikings had with the last week with a Saints team that was missing mm-hmm. some key starters – I'm not going to say, mm-hmm. and I hear people saying, oh, this should be easy. They should pound the Bears. You know, they can't uh, pass very well. Their defense isn't very good. Mm-hmm. But after watching <laughs> what the Saints did last week and barely winning <laughs> over a double doink field goal, I got to be honest, mm-hmm. I am slightly nervous about what could happen in this game today for the Vikings. I think you're right to be nervous because you're exactly right. I mean, let's go back and, and you look at the Saints. They had 10 penalties for over 100 yards. They had a couple of fumbles, and, and yet they were still in the game and to the point where it came down to that final field goal. So it does tell you a lot about all of the, the mishaps that they had. And, you know, it, 
I think Andy Dalton, quite honestly, was good for the Saints as opposed to Jameis Winston. And I mean no you know, ill feelings or anything about sure. that, but I just think that Jameis is such an uh, interception machine that um, I think it helped that Andy Dalton was the quarterback, and he did an outstanding job, actually. He managed it really well, and it more than managed it. I mean, when you look at his completion percentage and the yards that he was able to get um, against a, a defense that, you know, I think we were expecting this defense to be a lot better than they were, quite honestly, yeah. Dave. And when you, when you look, everybody's talking about, well, we're going to get more pressure. Well, we've moved to the 3-4. I, I have always been a big proponent of this. All of that is just gamesmanship, this whole 3-4, 4-3. Everybody lines up how they line up, and it's, it's not that complicated, quite honestly. And there's yeah. a lot of players that look like dual people. And, you know, I think right now, if you had asked a couple of our defensive ends, would you like to have your hand down rather than standing up, I think they would all hold up their hand to say, let me <laughs> put my hand in the ground. <laughs> well, well, and I'm glad you, know, you I, I'm I, glad you bring that up, though, yeah. Pete, because I wanted to talk about this. Daniil Hunter um, has completely disappeared, and I and I just yes. I don't understand. <laughs> There's a lot of talk about the switch in defense. Does it make that big of a difference? And I just mm-hmm. I think, like you said, that maybe that's gamesmanship because if you look at his statistics mm-hmm. since he missed that season, he is mm-hmm. he's just completely gone and. I just I don't understand it. You see things that I don't see. You played football at a very high level. I was a high school water boy, barely. Um, but I I just don't understand how a guy with his physical traits and talent yeah. can completely mm-hmm. disappear simply because of change of scheme. Yeah. Well, and and the problem is by 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 changing the scheme, um, you you've taken away his greatest strength, and that's. That's what bothers me most is Daniil Hunter is an absolute freak show when it comes to his athleticism, his ability, his pass rush, all of that. And now they're asking him to, to do something a little bit different. Why would you do that? I, I, I never understood that from, from the day that I heard about this whole thing. I thought, wow, why would we do that? We've already picked up a great defensive end from Green Bay. We could have these bookends that are going to be an absolute ferocious thing. And to your point, uh, we haven't we haven't heard his name called. It's it really is um, amazing to me. And I and I'll tell you what, if if we give Justin Fields a little bit of time, I know he has played poorly. He really has. I mean, two touchdowns, four interceptions. I mean, he. I mean, when you look at his yards, there's a lot of quarterbacks who've thrown for the his number of yards in four games in a single game. So you know, <laughs> it's unbelievable. And, but but that offensive line is is horrific. And if the Vikings actually could kind of get themselves positioned back into getting after the quarterback, let those guys, let Daniel put his hand in the ground and just get after the quarterback. They've given up 16 sacks in four games. I mean, this plays into what the Vikings defense should be, not what they are right now, which is a team that really could get after it from the outside. You've got the big guys that are great run stuffers that actually can occupy men in the middle as well. And then it gives those small linebackers a chance to run around because I, Dave, the one big thing that I still keep coming and I came away from, from being at camp this year was just how small those linebackers are for the Vikings, yeah. which means it's, it's great for the pass plays. It isn't great for running plays. And, you know, I'll, I'll tell you what, I think that, you know, they're starting to expose us to that, um, a little bit more and a little bit more and our defense, you know, they're, they're on their heels all the time. It seems like, because that was a saints team that we, we really did have the advantage in terms of health and everything else 
how we should have been able to probably control them much better, and we really didn't. And that that could be a problem today. Well, Justin Fields, you're right. I mean, he is he's very athletic, but he's not uh, very. And that that could be a problem today. Well, Justin Fields, you're right. I mean, he is he's very athletic, but he's not uh, very much of a threat back there, especially if you can get pressure on him. Right? They're gonna they're yeah. gonna have to get pressure. Uh, David Montgomery is a good running back, and it, it certainly seems like the way the Bears are doing things that they are. This could be a battle of two really good running backs today. We we could see. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we're going to see a lot of Dalvin Cook. I, I would assume, yeah. and we're going to see a lot of David Montgomery. Th- this is going to be a good old fashioned, don't you think? A good old fashioned <laughs> NFC North. Bang your heads together and just see who, who comes out. On top, right? I mean, that that's what this game mm-hmm. plays into, I think. But what I'm curious about, you, you just brought this up. At what point as an NFL coaching staff do you look at what's happening and do you look at, listen, your secondary is, is having some issues, the injury issues, they're having trouble, they're getting passed on. You talked about the small mm-hmm. linebackers. At what point do you go back and go, listen, we have to look at what the year is giving us here and maybe we change things a little bit. Or is it... Is it just so much of a, a you know turning the Titanic uh, at this point you know, to try to change a scheme or change some things at this point in the season to play into some of the things that you have going for you, like those, those DNs and a good pass rush? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you'd think you'd want to tweak that to some degree, uh, and yeah. I, I think that would make the very most sense. And you know what? Uh, I think sometimes it's ego. Sometimes it's, you know, the, the, the coaches are like, well, we're just not quite there yet. Well, we're four weeks into the season, five weeks into the season. We need yeah. to be there now. And, and these are the games, to your point, the reason it's, it's such a must win is, you know, you've got to win as many as possible at home, right? And then yeah. you understand those road games get a little bit more difficult and, and so forth. But, you know, it's the black and blue division. We know that. And, and we've already, you know, we, we've got our opportunities to, to keep some of this from uh, in at home with our fans, with everybody going as, as loud as they possibly can, like they always do. And, and, and why not play into that a little bit and let those defensive ends get a lot more aggressive because that still is in the playbook. And why not just shift over and say, you know what? They are going to have their hands in the grounds for this game. And mm-hmm. we'll just see how that goes to put that pressure on because to your point, and I, we, I wasn't even thinking about that as much, but the, the secondary, they, they do have their issues. They've, they've yeah. been banged up a little bit as well. And so with that, at least you're giving them the advantage of, you know what, the quarterback's not just going to be able to stand back there. You're going to get a little pressure and maybe get into his face a little bit, and Justin Fields does not like that, hasn't responded very well, and his numbers are a great reflection of that. He'll force the ball if he has to, or he you know, feels that he has to. So – I think that that gives us a great opportunity today in the secondary if we can get up in front of his face. But, you know, that's a big if because we haven't seen a lot of that this year. I have more things I want to talk about uh, with this game today and and the NFL at large, Pete. We'll take a quick Mm. break, but I want to talk about the decision not to take the bye week after London. And I also would like to talk about the NFL's new concussion protocol because this is a big issue this week in the NFL uh, and I don't know what problems are going to be solved but I'd like to get your opinion on that so we will talk about that some more NFL talk coming up next you are listening to the huddle on WCCO 830. Welcome back to the huddle Dave Schwartz Pete Nigerian with you on a Sunday morning 
Wanted to make sure we gave out these numbers. You can call or text us on the City's One Plumbing Talk and text line 651-461-9226. I'm giving this out now because I have a feeling here, Pete, the next about 25, 30 <laughs> minutes we're going to touch on some things that people are going to be fired up about. Um, <laughs> I think so. We'll, we'll talk about the buy in a second and the decision to take the buy. But this uh, today the NFL and NFLPA agreed to a new concussion protocol, basically saying that if – a player has balance or stability issues, motor coordination or dysfunctional speech caused by what they would deem to be a neurological issue. They'll be prohibited from returning to the game. Uh, it was mm-hmm. agreed upon by both the league and the, and, and the NFLPA. Um, <laughs> I read this and my first reaction was, this is nothing. This is nothing. <laughs> I, I just, I love the sentiment, right? Like this is great, but mm-hmm. we've already, heard about players Peyton Manning's gone on record other players have said you know what when I take my baseline concussion tests and things at the beginning of the season I'll I've cheated you know I've I've tried Mm -hmm. to downplay it so that if I get hurt I can stay in the game so Mm -hmm. what what I see is both players would want to get back in the game and coaches and staff want them to get back in the game nobody Mm -hmm. wants them to sit on the sideline so I just don't well while I think this is a very great gesture i just don't believe that this is really going to change anything because guys are going to i mean guys are going to say i'm not dizzy I'm, I, I feel just fine okay you feel fine get back in there you're not falling over but as we all know pete and i'm sure you know better than anybody a concussion doesn't always mean that you're going to fall over on your face it could be as little as right. just a really nasty headache and get back in the game i'm sure you played at times in your career with a really nasty headache <laughs> Just about every game. Right. <laughs> and I would also add to that, you know, how many times Dave, do, do players, whether they're your own children or, or yourself or others that you know, that, that say, you know what, I was seeing stars for a minute out there. Yeah. I mean, all of these things are, are, are obviously bad. And, and you know, we, but it, it, it's one of those things where, to, to Peyton Manning's point, you still want to play. And so because of that, you're going to do what you can to be, make sure that you are able to pass some of the tests, you know, and mm-hmm. player safety obviously is, is a huge thing that, and the NFL has finally started to address that, you know, about a decade ago, they, they finally started to get into the, the whole issue with the, the brain and all the different players that are having so many different issues and all the rest of that. But, you know, Dave, I, I don't think that they're doing things right from the very beginning. And what I mean yeah. by that is you and I've talked about this before, but it comes down to, when you, when you look at the college game right now versus the NFL game, why is it, do you think, um, because I have my opinion, but why is it that the NFL has an unbelievable amount of injuries this year and last year, and it seems to be getting worse? And I would point the finger right at the NFLPA themselves, not the NFL, but the, the Players Association by what they've done to create something in the preseason where players don't play, they don't truly practice or work on fundamentals ever. They just don't. They don't do live tackling. They, they allow that all to happen once you get to the game. And so these players, and, and, you know, it's quite frankly why I've always been a big proponent of, you know, if you've got a good running game, you, you've got a great opportunity to be a really good football team, particularly in this league, because right now everybody, of, of course, is in love with throwing the football, which is why the <laughs> linebackers are so small. Yep. <laughs> I mean, yep. there's a whole trigger here. And, and if you look, why are the Buffalo Bills defense, why is it so daggone good? Well, their linebackers are huge. They stop the run, but they're also athletic, so they can get back into pass plays. 
along with basically you could look at a lot of the other the, the, the teams that lead the NFL in defense. But there still is the problem that there is no fundamentals anymore. You get into camp and, and you basically are essentially, and you've been out there, you tell me, you're at a Viking camp, those guys have got their helmet off half the time and, and sort of walking around and pointing to the Pete? spots where they need to go. Did you lose me? Hello? Sorry. No. Hey. I might have dropped. Killing the music this morning. I, I'm so – Dennis, I love the funk theme, a little Stevie Wonder, you know. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. All right, we got Pete back now, and I, so I didn't know who lost who. <laughs> We're all back. I'm sorry about that, Dave. <laughs> that was That's on okay. me, I think. I think. Uh, well, then I That's thought I lost it to right him. Yeah, we're good. We're good. We're back. And um, let's let's turn our sights. We, we'll talk a little more NFL in the second hour, but I want to talk about go, the Gopher football team. Uh, they have a bye yesterday. Uh, very much needed maybe break to kind of reset themselves a little bit after uh, a tough loss. And it brings you to a question that I'm also going to ask the audience about today, if you want to call or text us. Did the loss to uh, Purdue change your faith in the Gophers' chances oh. to win the Big Ten West? You can call or text us, 651 651- Four six one nine two two six. That's the city's one plumbing talking text line. Six five one four six one nine two two six. Question of the day: Do you think does the loss to Purdue change your faith in the Gophers' chances to win the Big West? For me, absolutely not. I, I didn't like the way, the loss. I didn't like how it happened, but I certainly still think that the, the Big Ten West could be up for grabs. Um, maybe that maybe it was an instance of them not taking. Uh, Purdue seriously because it was a bit of a sloppy game, which we, we, we've seen um, that can definitely do them in before. But I think the biggest thing, Pete, is that without Mo Ibrahim, this is just a, this is a different team. It's e- even more than the loss of Chris Ottman-Bell. If Mo mm-hmm. Ibrahim isn't back there, it absolutely changes the entire complexion of the offense and what they can do. It really does, and it's surprising because last year, I think, what I was so impressed with. You seem to have lost Pete again. Dennis, are you still with me? Oh, my. Hello? Are we still here? Well, hopefully we're still here. Anyway. Uh, we will talk about to go. Let's take a quick break. We'll reset ourselves here and, and figure out the gremlins in the system. We'll take one more quick break and see if we can figure everything out on the other side. You're listening to The Huddle on W3, WCCO uh, Radio. All right, welcome back to The Huddle. We're both here now, hopefully, Pete. I, I So people are texting me and say, Pete, we hear him. He's making a great point, and I didn't hear you. <laughs> <laughs> so make another great point. Tell me why I uh, why I'm not worried about the Gophers still winning uh, the Big Ten West. Well, I think the one thing we learned last year was that we have more than just Mo Ibrahim, who's great, and it's it's unfortunate that he you know it was not able to play. But you know, we I think we were four deep last year, and and even at the beginning of this year with our running game, I think what happened was we we lost our identity in that game against Purdue. We. We mm-hmm. proved who we were against Michigan State. We ran the football well. We threw the football well. Tanner had probably his worst game maybe in a couple of years with his three yeah. interceptions. But I think also our, our defense didn't step up when they needed to. When the offense was struggling, we weren't getting the kind of running game going we normally do, and we're normally a very physical, big offensive line who's going to push people around. And I don't care which one of the running backs is behind there. They've all done well, and they've all competed – 
at a very high level. So I put that more on the offensive line than the running backs on why we were struggling so much, because I think that's what also caused the, the, the passing game to be what it was. But it's interesting that we would go away from the run as much as we did, because we didn't even yeah. really attempt it enough. And I think that is our identity. It's to, to power the ball down the field. And even you don't give up just because you get stopped. Uh, and, and the biggest problem also was, you know, let's be honest, unfortunately, it, re- it was reminiscent of last year when we went for it on fourth and one deep in our own territory, mm-hmm. and we ended up losing the game to Bowling Green. And, and I, I don't know why we did that again. And I love the fact that you're trying to show that you, you have confidence and, 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 and all, everything that you're trying to do in that situation. But because of the fact that we didn't have Mo and because of the fact that we were a team that was a little bit reeling, I don't think you needed to panic at that point. And by doing so, and I think we did panic, we give them the great opportunity to have the ball right there down deep into our territory and sort of put, you know, we're, we're almost playing with our hands behind our back at that point. And we just never had the identity back. We had 47 yards rushing. Uh, that, that should be in the first quarter, not, not yeah. in the entire game. And, and that's the biggest problem, I think, was that. And then that, that caused Tanner to press a little bit. We had the interceptions. That, that was not good. And, but with all that being said, we had that game against Bowling Green last year, and yeah. we bounced back pretty well. And this is a Purdue team that's a lot better than anybody wants to admit for some reason because they won nine games last year, and they're, they're doing pretty good this year. They, they went to the wire with Penn State uh, for, for one of their losses. So this isn't a, a team that was just kind of walking through um, you know, without playing people. They did, lost a game or two, but those were tight games. And so – I think that we have to look at this and say, you know, I, the, the Gophers can bounce back from this. We did it last year. We're going to need to do it again. But I'll tell you what, Illinois is going to be a very, very difficult opponent coming up. Yeah. And that's, that's not going to be fun because they can run the football. Well, they're off to their best start, uh, 6-0, and uh, best start since 2011. Illinois, uh, barely they do barely get past Iowa yesterday. And so, and, and so I think yeah. that's interesting. And Brett Bielema we all know, knows how to play against the Gophers, right? I mean, he, he is a very good coach in the Big Ten. Eh, not so much when he went to the SEC, but a very good coach uh, in, in the Big Ten. And so, mm-hmm. but they've got some injuries that they're dealing with. And, and so now the Gophers have to go to Illinois uh, and try to beat them in their house. Uh, you mm-hmm. go back to the drawing board a bit, don't you, Pete? I mean, if, if you're P.J. Fleck, you basically have to try to – and this is his thing, right? It's a Every season, every game is a one-week season. And so now you have to just mm-hmm. forget about what happened, and you got to go into Illinois. But does it mean more and, – and I don't know if it means anything for players, right? They don't necessarily play against coaches. They play against players. But you got to mm-hmm. think P.J. Fleck probably would like to beat Brett Bielema, don't you think? Yeah. <laughs> I would say that, that you're 100% right on that one. You know, it's funny that PJ's got uh, a, a few folks out there that are uh, other coaches in the Big Ten that are not very happy with him. And I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. But there was one with him and Scott Frost, for sure. And, and even last week with Purdue and now with Bielema here in Illinois, um, he goes head-to-head pretty good. I'll tell you, uh, Bielema is an interesting guy because he did have so much success at Wisconsin, and he's kind of – turning Illinois as, as quick as he can into that type of a ball team where Chase Brown's one of the best running backs in the country. And, I, and I, you know, probably yeah. not a name that everybody knows, but he averages about six yards a carry and he's nearly a thousand yards. So he's, he's a very good player. 
but he plays Wisconsin football. He's going to try to hold the ball. He's going to try to run the ball. And I'll tell you what impressed me most against Iowa, a boring game, you know, a very low-scoring game. But that's what Iowa does. And, and the fact that they were able to run for over 200 yards against Iowa tells you something about the running game that they've got. And I think uh, this week the pressure is going to be on the defense to, to give the offense opportunities to try to get down and, and, and score. But a running team can take up a lot of the clock. That's what the Gophers normally do. And, and I, I would expect that Illinois is going to try to do that. But a running team can take up a lot of the clock. That's what the Gophers normally do. And, and I, I would expect that Illinois is going to try to do that. Possess the ball, hold the ball as long as they can, get a couple of scores. If there's a turnover, they really can flip that thing very, very quickly to being a pretty interesting football game. And we don't, I guess, uh, we just don't really know how how it's going to go. Because, you know, this team, this is the one thing that I took away from it, has not faced a lot of adversity this year, right? They, they just, no. they have, the teams have been relatively easy, uh, but now they have to go into Illinois' house and, and beat Illinois there. And hopefully, uh, we don't know yet, I assume we'll find out a little more this week about where uh, Mo Ibrahim is and if, if, if he'll be back um, against mm-hmm. Illinois. But it should be a great game. And, you know they're getting into the meat of their schedule here, right? I mean, it's you got Illinois, and it's going to get harder as it as it goes from there. Uh, Pete, you brought this up a little while ago, and and I'm glad that you did. You talk about that that fourth and one, and and mm-hmm. you didn't like that call. And I wondered as I as I watched that and I thought about that. I said, is that a scenario where PJ Fleck, who is a players' coach, right? He he does this. Mm-hmm. Players love him, and and I think as a coach. Mm-hmm. Is that a call there where you say, "Hey, you guys want to go for this? Do you want to do this?" Or, or do you go, or, or at the college level with so much on the line, does he go, "No, I'm just making this decision. We're going to go for it." I think that's a really great question. My guess is, if you ask players, including myself, and we're on the field, you always have confidence that you're going to be able to stop somebody or get the first down. Right? I mean, that's that's just who you are. Yeah. You have to have that mentality. So. For, for him to, if if indeed that was the case, that he pulled it with the with the players, that that's an easy one to say. The players are going to say, absolutely, we got this. The other <laughs> problem too is that, that when you throw in a different quarterback to run it because you feel like he gives you a better advantage to run the football, that bothers me too because you know we yeah. how many times have we seen exchanges? Now we didn't see it in the game, but oftentimes you see where the exchange itself between the center and now a different quarterback does change things up a little bit and and that gets a little bit uncomfortable for me as well i you know it's there's a lot of reasons why it makes sense not to go for the for the fourth and one deep in your own territory and it it oftentimes does bite you and i think it it bit us pretty good unfortunately all right gophers are at illinois next weekend uh we're going to switch gears here Pete. we're going to talk a little minnesota wild hockey they finished up the preseason last night against the dallas stars uh, it was a great game. I was actually at the game. Very enjoyable. Wes Walls is a uh, color commentator for Bally Sports North for the Minnesota Wild and former Minnesota Wild captain as well. Wes, good to have you this morning. How are you, buddy? Thanks. Great to be here with you uh, guys and uh, looking forward to the conversation. While they're uh, off to a nice little start here in preseason, obviously the bullets start flying for real here Thursday night against the Rangers. So let's get right into it. Pete, uh, Marco Rossi is someone that excites me to no end. Uh, I, I'm really <laughs> excited to see what he's going to do. Um, but there's conflicting reports here about whether he's a top six forward or a bottom six forward. 
Uh, you certainly, uh, he looked awful good playing uh, with some of those top line guys last night. Where do you see him fitting in once the regular season starts? Well, I think the plan with, with Marco to start the season is probably going to start between Dewar and, and, um, and Duhame on, on the fourth line. Uh, mm-hmm. Dean Evison rolls his line so much, Dave, that, you know, five on five play, probably going to get to six or seven, you know, eight, nine minutes of ice time. And then with the power play situation, depending on how many power plays, Marco's still going to get his 12, 13, 14 minutes. And I think coming into the season, the wild or coming into training camp, the wild had a, you know, just an open mind about where he was going to play. And I, I just think the, the emergence of uh, Tyson Jost and Sam Steele coming in, playing the way they did during camp, um, I think allowed allows the Wild to play him in a fourth line role just to kind of ease him into the into the National Hockey League. Dave, he's got he's played two NHL games, right? And I, I said this on the broadcast, and I didn't have a whole lot of time to expand um, on you know my own situation when I was 20 years old and came into the league. I, I without boring everybody to death, but I was a third round pick, but it held out for a one way contract. So when I joined the Minnesota or the Boston Bruins, I was under a ton of pressure. As well as a 20-year-old kid, they threw me into the league. I'm playing with Cam Neely and Craig Janney on the first line. I've never played an NHL game, and by 20, 25 games into the season, I was playing on the fourth line with Lyndon Byers and Chris Nyland. And I never—it took me six years to get over that, Dave. Like I beat myself up so bad. So, in my own personal experience, I've been through it. I, I love the fact that the Wild are, are are putting Marco in a position where he's going to—they're going to ease him into the league. Is he a top six or top nine guy? Yeah, of course he is. I mean, he's leading the, the he's leading the uh, preseason in scoring. He's done some amazing things, but I, especially in the preseason here, let's slow play it with the kid and just let him, you know, take the pressure off him. Just play. I think he's the type of guy. From what I understand, he's 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 very hard on himself too. Wants to be a star. Wants to be a great player. Uh, so just easing him into uh, this season, I think, is a, is a good thing for the Wild, and it tells you that the Minnesota Wild have tremendous depth. If he was. Somewhere else, uh, you know, in a lower-ranked team around the NHL, maybe you throw him into a top, you know, six role, and then maybe he sinks or swims. We don't know how that would play out. But I like the idea of just making him earn his way up, up, up the up the ladder and the lines. And once he gets up there, he's going to feel like he earned it, Dave. And I think that's important for any athlete. Wes, you mentioned the scoring, and obviously that has been really impressive. Is that something that you think can can carry over as far as the confidence for the team? Obviously, putting up almost five goals, it seems like, each and every game in the preseason, and I realize it's preseason, but do you think that that, that level of confidence can, can help them going into the start of this season? Yeah, no question about it. I mean, we, we saw it last year. I think the Wild finished fourth or fifth in, in goals for the National Hockey League. So they're, they're, they have the ability to, to score goals and, and to, um, you know, put pucks on it and make up for any mistakes they make defensively. And uh, we've seen that through the preseason. I, you know, I, I said this on the broadcast too. Anthony was talking to me, asked me a question about whether I thought winning and losing in the preseason is, is important. And uh, I answered it like, I don't think it's that important for this organization because, you know, right now we're not trying to build a culture. We have our culture built. If you're trying to build a, a you know, a team that has is trying to learn how to win, then I think it's really, really important. So I don't put too much stock in the fact that while they're scoring four, five, six goals in the preseason, they play the Chicago Blackhawks a couple times, um, and then they're going to be at the bottom of the league. Obviously, they played St. Louis, and they played a great game last night, which was really, really encouraging. I know you were at the game last night. You saw what I saw. I mean, 
the, the Minnesota Wild were, were were so fast on pucks all night. Like they look like the faster team everywhere. And uh, and uh, you know Dean Evison understands that teams are going to make you know mistakes. New systems are kind of being implemented, but. Dean wants the players in that locker room to make mistakes, but playing at a high pace all the time, and we can work on the mistakes as we're pushing the pace every night, and I thought they were dominant last night. We're talking with Wes Walls on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. The Wild open up the regular season on Thursday against the New York Rangers, who admittedly, uh, Wes, I don't know a ton about. Um, and I know that they've had some, they, certainly they were good last year, and they have some very, very good players. I watched so much of um, Marc-Andre Fleury last night. I, I felt like at least for the entire second period I was just staring at him. And I'm so amazed for a guy his age, not only does he play his angles well, but he's so incredibly aggressive in the way that he challenges shooters. Uh, but he moves so much, and he's so he's all over the place. Is Is this something that we're going to expect the entire season or, or is he going to have to kind of maybe rein it in just a little bit or, or is that what got him to where he is in the first place? Well, that is who Marc-Andre Fleury is. I mean, he is, he's a captivating athlete and you said you couldn't take your eyes off. You sound like me when I'm watching wild practice, he's that <laughs> type of guy, obviously, you know, we know he's going to be a hall of famer, uh, first ballot hall of famer and uh, you know, getting an opportunity to watch him in practice and how hard he fights for every puck he doesn't give anything away in practice and to be honest with you Dave you bring up a great point and I, I know during the broadcast Billy Guerin mentioned you know he's 37 eight, 38 years old he takes tremendous care of himself he's not overly concerned at all about uh, how he'll be able to manage his you know minutes going through the season but um, you know I played in this league when I was 37 years old it's different I mean it just it just is these athletes are you know a lot of these young kids and stuff so I, in my own personal belief, I do think as the season rolls on, after we get through Christmas, I do think that that Mark Andre is as much as he's not going to want to do it because you've seen him the smile on his face for practice. He has almost more fun in practice than he does in the games. He loves it that much. That they're going to have to keep him off of the ice um, because he ain't he ain't going to go on the ice and just go like fifty percent. He's going to go on the ice and go one hundred and thirty percent. So I, I think after Christmas depending on how many games he has to play up until the halfway point, I do think it's something the Wild have to uh, really manage very, very closely as as the season goes on. And this is going to be new for, for, for Mark andre too. There's going to be times when he's not going to practice as much as he's used to to go into games. But I think the back part of his career, where he's at right now, he's gonna, he may have to make some adjustments on the physical side of things. So that is something I'm going to be very fascinated with. And I'm going to watch very, very closely as we move through the season. And Wes, I'll tell you, I think you're exactly right. That is something that it, it, it comes down to the coaches themselves. I think that they have to just look at look at him and say, hey, look, uh, because of your age, it makes sense. And it's going to be better for you as we get closer and closer throughout the season and get closer maybe to the playoffs. But you, you, you spoke about speed a little while ago as well, and I love that. And that's one of the most exciting parts of hockey for me are these teams that are just absolutely flying down there. Are we a team that, that can compete with the Colorados when it comes to that speed on, on the ice? Well, I think we have just as much speed as the Colorado Avalanche up and down our lineup. If you look at even on the back end with Dumba and Spurgeon and Brodeen, Kalen Addison, who's a young, who's a young kid, is a guy who's a good puck mover, uh, 
speed up and down the lineup. You're talking about the Colorado Avalanche. They just won the Stanley Cup and are favored to win the Cup. Right. Yeah. They've they've got some <laughs> some some high end talent for. But if you're talking about flat out speed, like you look at our third and fourth lines with Dewar and Duhame and Rossi and and Steele, who can <laughs> Steele might be the fastest out of all of them, by the way. <laughs> and Tyson Jost, I mean, you're talking about five or six guys. Mason Shaw, who's who's sitting on the outside looking in right now, I mean, it's just a little water bug that hits everything. I mean, he can fly too. So the, the, the team speed that the Wild possesses, like Dallas is going to be a really good team too. They're going to be fighting for a playoff spot all year. But And they brought a lot of their big boys in uh, to play the game there last night, except for, uh, except for Robinson, who just signed his new contract. But I mean, that looked like uh, men with boys there last night. We didn't have a yeah. couple guys in our lineup with Greenway out too. So team speed is is the one area of of, of the game that Billy Guerin, when he came in here uh, and he cleaned house, he wanted a fast team. That was the bottom line. He wanted characters, guys that play with a lot of heart and play play the game uh, and think the game at a fast pace. And as there's been an abundance of those type of guys in the wild uniform. By the way, I love the disdain that gets in your voice when the Colorado Avalanche come up, Wes. I, I do. Um, <laughs> hey, buddy, thanks for joining us. I appreciate it. Have a great game Thursday, okay? Yeah, thanks. thanks you guys, Wes. boys. Have a good weekend. All right, we'll take a yeah. quick break, and we will come back. We're going to talk about some Timberwolves at the top of the next hour, and we'll, of course, get you set up. Vikings and the Bears at noontime. You're listening to The Huddle on 830 WCCO. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.